Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. And now we're the last two. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 515, Rise and Shine, is brought to you by Captain Crunch. Talbot still outranks him. Pete, it is a good Friday when we are talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We have Jessica Jones' podcast dropping behind us, ahead of us. It's all the mothership today in what might be the best episode of the season. And uh, here we are talking about it. I know, Pete, you and I both separately. We were earlier in the day in our own individual lives. We were running a little little low on uh, on the old energy. But I know that we are here ready for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was never a question. Do you know why that is, Pete? Because we're professionals. And because we are invincible. That's what I learned from this episode. We are invincible. S.H.I.E.L.D. fans are invincible. The show is invincible. And I'm ready to rock and roll into this episode here. When we catch you up on what went down, we begin, Matt, with Coulson a hood taken off him by robot troops in a room with a cot. General Hale is there, and Coulson wants to know what she is doing with Crusher Creel and Ivan Drago. First of all, Pete, why are the masked robots, why is one shorter than the other? Why aren't the robots standard size? That was just a little mental tangent I went on. Uh, but there's a Colson recap here. Gravitonium and a disregard for safety. Check. Ivan off and Creel. Check. A rogue general. Pete, she's the rogue one. So that means that she's on her own, right? Hale says that it's actually Hydra, which of course had me all Twitter-pated last week. Are they really going to rehash a Hydra story? Turns out they had a plan, Pete. She wants to share her story. And we end this teaser act with the idea that it's time for S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra to unite. After the title card, 28 years ago, Matt, good morning, time to rise and seize your future. Hydra logos everywhere. I felt like I was home. Wow. Well, Pete, uh, a quick uh, a quick check of the mathematics tells me that uh, with it being... 28 years ago. Pete, that puts it squarely in 1990. This, the first episode airing after it was announced that Clark Gregg will be reprising his role as Coulson in Captain Marvel, taking place in the 1990s. So, you know, we've had some critical things to say about the preceding 14 episodes. Uh, you know, there were comments this past week coming out of WonderCon where uh, Jed and Mo were saying we continue to be informed and inspired by the films. And here we go. Boom. Flashback Marvel movie. We're flashing back in the next episode. It's probably just a weird timing matter, but here we are. Hydra in the 90s. We're going to get S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 90s. Hashtag, it's all connected again. And how odd that 28 years ago, Matt, yours truly was a freshman in high school. Mm. But the uh, the the note uh, pinned up in uh, Miss Hale's room that uh, the Hydra meeting is every Thursday at four thirty five. 
like they don't like the whole thing isn't to hide your meaning um it's probably just a production thing to really hammer home that's hydra but um i love too that as she goes to breakfast there they have an actor that looks just like sitwell would look 28 years ago um yes the glasses help um but but really really great casting moment there and there's this notion that she is going places uh, we cut to the classroom where uh, the teacher quickly introduces Daniel Whitehall. Hey, he's back, Pete, because it's the mm-hmm. past. Uh, he's going to give a speech. You'll help Hydra pull down this oppressive state and uh, some some spooky stuff there. Yeah, I love the line with Sitwell, just to return that for a second, that he has middle management written all over <laughs> <laughs> And uh, let, let's not uh, deny that he went places into a lane of traffic. But um, the, the guest speaker there, yes, of course, it's Whitehall um, that he's there to talk about uh, since World War Two. You know, with Steve Rogers, we've tried to uh, uh, make super soldiers. But now it's all about particle infusion. And with this chamber, we're going to put it all together. And of course, Von Strucker, Kid Von Strucker squared, Matt, Dad Kid Von Strucker, uh, DKVS. Oh, I had him. I will admit, Pete, I. Oh, here's what happened. I had him as KKVS because it was Kid version of Kid Von Strucker. But then I was like, wait, the accent. And I'm like imagining Hale's later adult age. And of course you're right, Pete. It is DVS. Dad Listen, we were, we were in a lot of activities together. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he wants to – he suggests they infuse Red Skull's Tesseract with uh said super soldier but it's hail that shoots that down they shouldn't be looking into the past they should look into space which let me just point out uh remember red skull went into space so yeah the whole thing there of course she's laughed at um but whitehall acknowledges that they finally have some forward thinking in the gym matt in gym class you know, back in the first year of the 1990s, we'd like to pump a little iron. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we get, uh, you know, we get Hale working out there, working on the the bench press, question mark. And uh, some of those whippersnappers, they put on another 90 pounds of weight on her. And Pete, here's how you write it lazily. Oh, it she can't push it up and and then somebody helps her out and then she goes and strikes the people who did it. No, like a boss, she pushes mm-hmm. it off. Uh, she then goes over to DVS Dad von Strucker, looks at the goons, Pete. This is a well-worn trope, but it's great every time. When you look at the goons and then do the no look or last second look, punch the person you actually want to yes. punch. Yes. Hard cut to the next morning. She's getting ready. Bruise on her face. Uh, we had seen her 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 pup pal when she woke up a couple scenes ago. Now she's just got the dog collar. Pete, it's Chekhov's the saddest dog collar ever. Right. More on that in oh, a moment. My God, yes. <laughs> um, 
DK VS Dad Kid Von Strucker. He's got the uh, the lip boo boo. She sits with Sitwell again. Uh, he has. You know why, been... Pete? Because uh, it, you're, it's well to sit with Sitwell. <laughs> he sits well. He um, and he's been uh, assigned to Shield Administrative Division. I hope that works out for him, Matt. Uh, but uh, it's it's not what uh, isn't that what he wants. But he's he's still down here uh, reacting, of course, to what she's gone through. Uh, Hale doesn't know yet where she'll be assigned. Uh, and he points out that she did, after all, punch the future leader of Hydra in the face. Just then, Hale is told that uh, Mr. Whitehall would like a word. Uh, yeah, and there's kind of this sense... You know, it's weird. We root against Hale in a lot of ways, but I think with adult Hale and certainly young Hale here, you know, somewhat paradoxically, there's a lot to be rooting for. Um, and you kind of say, ooh, maybe Whitehall will give her a better option, even though this is all shades of gray and it's all bad guys. Um, so he asks her if she has finished her final test. She hands him the dog collar. Wow. I mean, A, first of all, elegant writing that they don't, like, oversell it. But then it's clear they get rid of their dogs. That's the final test. References made to the only difficulty for her was all the boys crying. Um, so you kind of get story points there for her metal, as, uh, mm -hmm. as uh, Whitehall notes. Uh, and then, Pete, a, a necessarily creepy moment, because the actor, I'm sure, is a lovely fellow, um, but as Whitehall says that she wants her to join him in this new project, Pete, he gives this good news, definitely 18, definitely now graduated from Shield High School. So now she's no Shield longer Shield High School. Uh, pardon Bite me. From, 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 from Hydra High School, from Hydra High. Pete, he gives her a little upsy downsy look, checking out her, her, her feminine bits and such because Hydra wants to put that to work. For her to be yes. inseminated with the perfect seed and this is all of a sudden yucky yucky gross town yeah she's gonna give birth to their new leader because von strucker is going to work on the particle chamber as requested she's been placed with the air force she might even become an astronaut matt what's that mean for her future though uh she'll serve the cause when she's ready is there any kind of choice in the matter? I mean, Whitehall says yes, but the implication is no. And, I mean, let's just take a moment here, Pete, you know. Hey, congrats, graduate of, of the local specialized high school. Uh, the boys are going to go on to career. You get to look forward to, you know, doing the mom thing, and that can interrupt your career. Your little side career that you can keep along the way, I guess. Oh, by the way... Uh, either you're one of us and you have a choice or, you know, hail Hydra and, you know, <laughs> you can, you can, you can join the dogs or that sort of thing. I mean, it's a creepy moment with, with shades of overtones of the real world. And we're deep in that sci-fi aesthetic here where we don't need to necessarily be preaching about this situation or that situation. We get to just slap crazy comic book Hydra people on it to end the act. Act two, and two years ago, Matt, good morning, Ryzen sees the future, but it's Ruby, and she has a dog, and she gets dressed just like her mom did 26 years ago, and she goes to class, 
and she goes to Jim and General Hale watches over from the side with a male member of the faculty there. And as her pride and joy, her Ruby kicks some boy butt, she remarks that the boys never could keep up. But grumpy male teacher says that their weaknesses are more glaring than she thinks. It is upon this second pass of that scene, the first being when I watched it, that I'm realizing that there's kind of a cooked-in gender thing there, which later is going to inform Hale and her gender misread of how Coulson is responding to her, which I think is really great character shading because Hale has grown up in the completely equal world of Hydra, except for you, we're using your lady parts to be an incubator. Uh, go get a job at Air Force or something. So she's a villain but she's really, really well-written and we understand her multiple motivations and there's a seed of that here. Um, she's looking to get the, the plan for her daughter from Whitehall, but Whitehall is dead. Thanks, expositional reminder. Pete, take us to lunch. Uh, the discussion there that Ruby might go to the Air Force, uh, mom reveals she had been an astronaut or she was going to be an astronaut that makes her instantly 10 times cooler. Sometimes that happens when kids don't hate their parents. She gets a text, however, Matt. Country calls and teacher guy leaves. Uh, suddenly, General Hale is in an office with uh, a male soldier. We come to find out is Fisher. S.H.I.E.L.D. has captured Gideon Malik. Remember him, Matt? Remember Powers Booth? Oh, yes. The late, great Powers Booth. Absolutely. And uh, there's a safe where uh, Fisher is keeping some information. After New York, they found transceivers in the Chitari hardware wreckage. It's all connected. And, uh, it's all connected. Hashtag it's all connected, Matt. They reached out, and it turns out there is an alien confederacy replying to them. But no sooner does he reveal this than Talbot comes in to make the bust Fisher pops a pill and Talbot admonishes his lackeys for not finding him and getting to him quicker before he could do that. And he turns to Hale, And just when we think it's going to go wrong, he thought he saw the last of those squids. He doesn't think that Hale is hailing Hydra. No, he doesn't. Back we go to the Hydra base where uh, Ruby's being told by teacher guy to kill her dog. He's a Hydra flunky. She's saying, no, we got we to gotta think about the future, um, which uh, was also said by that guy that uh, the Joker killed in uh, the, the first Batman movie. Think about the future. Um, Hale shoots him, which is what happens to the guy in Batman who said, think about the future. So clearly Peter reference to the Tim Burton film. Uh, but then she notes rather cheekily since Hydra is being invoked here and cut off one head that now they're the last two now. And that's when I said, Oh, we're not doing the return of Hydra 3.0. We're doing the shell of Hydra. The last little bit here to, uh, to take us to the act break. We come out of the act break. It's six months ago. Glenn Talbot, he's awoken. His family is there. He's clearly doing memory exercises. Pete, this is a lean script here mm -hmm. where it's like we're getting triple duty where, hey, he's okay to talk to family, but he's doing things like 
the cat is there than the turtle and they don't turn it into him being charlie you know of of uh flowers for algernon it's not like mm -hmm. he's that damaged but you could see like oh he's doing memory exercises with his kid things are not good but he seems fine and when his wife is told that they're going to move him uh she says she doesn't understand he's doing better but Hale explains there's been significant damage to his frontal lobe. And then we hear him yelling at his son, George, there. It's not a freaking cat. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't laugh at the, the severity of the trauma. In fact, this scene, Matt, was as much as I have felt all year uh, for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was that they're able to do it in such a way and Adrian Pazdar, who we've sorely missed on this show, and I appreciate that they've come back to him, I appreciated that they've taken their time in coming back to him, uh, gives it the emotional weight that it, that it needs, he even tells them, stop pumping me full of that crap. The idea that perhaps his memory issues are uh, medicinal and not physiological. Certainly though, uh, we, we now have seen and the family has now seen the reason to move him to a more comprehensive facility. Um, he ends up awakening at our familiar Hydra facility. Pete, do you notice how they're doing a better job in this episode of reusing mm -hmm. sets for story reasons? Like it's Though not like it is dark. Uh, yeah, you didn't feel it. And it's all about Matt. What's on the page, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it appears empty. Pete, there's a reason why there's not extras. Again, they're hiding in plain sight, whatever money limitations are this season. Uh, he sees that there's some breakfast to be had. This is, you know, we've seen uh, this play out similarly before. We'll see it again. Uh, Ruby shows up, headphones in, gets her own breakfast. She ignores him. Uh, in the gym, he follows her in there. She ends up doing the old grab with one hand the pinky of someone and twist them down. Mm -hmm. um, that's when Hale arrives. She tells him that his Air Force career is over. He is a threat to himself and others, but she can show him what they're working on. Pete, what is that? Well, she had a time in her life, Matt, when she was out of control and needed purpose. And so showing him what she's working on here, this device, they use it to move ships through the galaxy. We get kind of the uh, the, the flashback with the different uh, lens on there, the different colors um, and the explanation that after New York, they made contact here. It's really kind of double exposition explaining to Talbot after we've heard a little bit already, but they gave them this and they've made a deal for protection that there's a war coming and that this is the way they survive. And back in the present, Talbot wants to know what flag she's flying and uh, she asks, does it even matter? Um, but choosing those squid billies mm. as she has, and she says she didn't choose Hydra. She was born into it. Pete, have they juiced up the script here knowing Adrian Pazdar so well? 
or has Adrian Pazdar gotten the green light to improvise some stuff as like, hey guys, I've been playing uh, Talbot for so long and I, I want to play him as crazy, kind of crazy Talbot here. Can I'll do one take with the script, one take with crazy Talbot. And they were just like, nope, this, this is, is on the page, baby. We know how Marvel rolls. Hey, fair enough. Uh, bottom line though is this notion all humans need to join together, which was kind of the first moment where I was like, oh, that is a good idea, even though you're talking about Hydra. Um, he says, of course, he'd rather die on two legs than slither on eight. Pete, I'm glad that we got out of this act with him taken out, handcuffed to a wheelchair, saying he'd never be broken, and not have his legs cut off with the the, the throwy glaive thing. Yeah, that would have been one way to uh, to do it. But he leaves with the idea that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s coming through that door. That ends the act. We come back to 24 hours ago. Coulson wakes up in the Hydra, bre- uh, the Hydra bedroom. It's breakfast time. This is now, I believe, the third or fourth time we've seen the, the breakfast game that, that goes on here. He sees Ruby, but... He isn't much annoyed by this whole setup. He just grabs his oops all berries. He's going to take his cereal to his room. In his room, as he's chomping down, Hale admits that Ruby is her daughter, and then she's going to show him the device. Um, He sees it through the magic of editing. They're right there. Uh, It's a bad idea. It's got alien writing. But Pete, what can you set on this device? Longitude, latitude, and altitude. Uh, there was going to be a fourth one, attitude. But you know what? <laughs> Clark Gregg. Colson always comes equipped with that. Absolutely. Um, and just as a quick aside with the uh, the news this week that he'll be in Captain Marvel. And, you know, you've been listening to us. We've talked about the, the possibility of, you know, should S.H.I.E.L.D. come back? Does he come back? Is he a regular? Is this a way that Clark Gregg and, and Ming-Na leave the, the full-time show? A lot of, lot of things potentially in play here. I think even more now that that announcement's been made and it dovetails so well with that, with, uh, that announcement, with this episode and with what's going on in this scene that, uh, he's he's been to space um, that he needs to see this for himself, however, and he is brought, Matt, to this alien and uh, uh, Hale introduces him, um, says that he is he considers himself humanity's shield. He is one of Earth's mightiest heroes, Matt, if only. If only uh, the nickname of the Avengers figured in in the next, I don't know, uh, 29 days. Well, there you go. Uh, we get, I believe, not said out loud, but in the subtitles, we get the the name of the Peter Mensa character. That's Quovas. Um, and uh, I, I dare say looking a little less blue than I would have expected. So I, I think we still need to see him in a proper light to know to know where we're headed with him. Um, But bottom line here is uh, Coulson has been introduced as the ally the Confederacy needs. Uh, He'll help Earth protect against this, and we get a little kind of, you know, memory flash transfer thing, an alien warship. Pete, 
Didn't we see that at the end of Thor, or am I mistaken? I'm fairly certain uh, we didn't see that angle of it, but... Yeah, it looks an awful lot like the ship that Thanos is likely coming to Earth with. So the the connections would seem to be firming up. Well, that is exciting indeed. Um, with that, we're back on Earth. Coulson needs to help arm alien warlords. At least that's what's being asked of him. Uh, then he says, maybe the Confederacy will enslave them all. Um so he's saying, you know, they might change the deal. And that's kind of when you realize, Pete, this was the scene where I realized, you know how every season they get a man of a certain age to play opposite uh, mm-hmm. Clark Gregg? They this, flipped the script, bro. The, 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 exactly. The, the, the light bulb went off. Um, and, and I said, oh, my goodness. They're, they're, they've, it's, not a, it's not a man. It is a woe man uh, who is approximately the same age as him. Looking up uh, Clark. Greg, his math is a little difficult for me sometimes. Uh, he and uh, look at that, Pete. He is, come on, info here. He is, but three years older than actor actress Catherine Dent. So it's a woman of a certain age. And here's um, where you know it's not reaction. It's not something born solely out of the Me Too or the Times Up movement. We saw her super early in the season, Matt. So they've had this plan all along to do that. So kudos for them flipping the script and thinking ahead to be able to do this for a foil for Clark Gregg. Just like I wasn't crazy about the first pod last season, which was Ghost Rider, and then it kind of got better in retrospect as it as it merged with the other two pods. Same thing here. I feel like that first Back to the Future stuff that could be imperfect episodes. I feel like it's getting better in uh, in, in in the rearview mirror. Regardless, this though, episode is on par with the first Framework episode last year. It's an excellent episode, and and this idea that the Confederacy might change the deal, and that's when Hale says, yeah, the plan always has been for us to flip the deal on them if humanity can work together. S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA need to work together, and that's when you go, oh, that was an acute teaser act conclusion. That's her plan to really, really put aside these differences and to save the planet. Yeah, and it's effective. And that they were talking about a man doing this job when, wait a minute, we're going to put a girl in the role, a woman. Um, that's part of altering the deal in the, uh, the the practical world with the casting and in the fictional ro- world with who the choice was going to be to put in the chamber. It was going to be Ruby, but it could be Daisy because hey, I'm going to come up with another reason to not have to sacrifice my daughter. Mm. Also, this idea that Daisy would be perfectly paired with Gravitonium. She could earn that nickname that Whitehall had for this whole entire program, which was Pete. Destroyer of Worlds. Oh, no, we are in the same time loop that we have been the entire time. A little story thread I hadn't forgotten about, but that they had not stoked for a while. This idea that they are rattling towards an unchangeable future that we've already seen oh no and that's when um colson explains that they hadn't been hiding 
that they had been in the future, that he's seen the earth cracked in half. This is not a good idea. She's making a huge mistake and he's taken away back to his room where Ruby comes in with her little glaive there. And uh, no, wait, it's cool. Did you actually travel to the future? Because, you know, my mom doesn't believe you, but, you know, I hate my mom and I hate adults. Yeah, down with adults and stuff. So how did Ruby fail as the destroyer of worlds? Gope, it wasn't her, it was Daisy Johnson. That's when, Pete, it's time, end of Rocky Three. You put in the, the tooth protector thing and you say, ding, ding, because we got a fight coming in these remaining episodes, Ruby v. Uh, v Daisy. Uh, with that, Ruby, I think, has a sense it's time to wrap the act up here with something really just kind of good. She has Talbot brought in. He's a babbling mess. I don't know if that's because of, of brain trauma or of torture, but he's saying, I'm sorry. Or a beard. Or, or just by having a beard, yeah. I'm sorry, I, Colson. I couldn't hold out. I thought Shield was going to come. You never came. I'm sorry, Colson, to end the act. Act five, Matt, now that we're doing now and it's about now uh may is talking to daisy here uh daisy who is thinking she heard may uh but hail is hydra hail hydra are you kidding me matt something i want to point out go back and listen i called last week <laughs> um also not kidding that they can't question captured hydra folks without fake documents because they don't have the resources and they can't get the resources without questioning the hydra folks etc etc what do they have may says you have to use what you have we have a super villain and i was like hold on i watch this show every week i watch a lot of jessica jones i've been checking out the expanse on prime there's other things going on i'm hoping that i get some uh, cadbury uh, easter eggs here in a couple days Who's the supervillain? Cut to Fitz. I'm like, oh, it's a Fitz scene. Wait a minute. Fitz is the bad guy. He had Hydra Fitz in him. Who's gone to see him? May, who had Hydra framework May in her. Time to embrace the darkness, Pete. Yeah, not asking for an apology, uh, May is. Wants him to embrace it. We go to Simmons uh, and Mac, who are working on Yo-Yo here. She's got the arms which if you've been anywhere near social media, they were showing you parts of for next week's episode. Yeah, that was really, uh, r really brilliant Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter to just yeah. suspend any suspend any suspension of disbelief and just go, yeah, everything is going to work out. Yeah, she's going to have robot arms. Like, I know she's I know it's going to work out. They're going to they're going to have they're going to have Natalia Cordova Buckley like wear dark sleeves and luke skywalker leather gloves i get all that that's fine i didn't think they were going to do 22 episodes of i have no arms but come on really you're putting pictures up there like come on you're not even trying you're not the worst pr out there for shows we podcast that's star trek discoveries pr team but come on guys you can do better be better and what Mac has to tell Simmons here is that just because Fitz was in the framework doesn't mean that he's a bad guy, that there's still a good guy in there somewhere. Uh, she thanks him. The moment of truth, she activates the device and the hands begin to go. Uh, and... Uh, Mac wants to know, will this make Yo-Yo stronger than before? 
because she saw herself in the lighthouse. She knows uh, she she believes that she gets all the way into the future. And she thinks, Matt, she's invincible. And the only way that this scene could have gotten a little bit better is if we had maybe Mac, as he talks about life in the framework, it stuck with him. Maybe if he took out himself a little Resican flute and he played himself that. You know what? Reach out in social media if you get that reference, because some of you do. Just hit, hit pause on the podcast, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, whatever. Just say, yo, I got the Resican flute reference. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Pete, more importantly, the arms work. It's shown by one finger moving and then it's declared the arms can work. I get it. The story's moving. Fully we're getting, functional. We're getting a whole episode. Oh, that's another Star Trek reference, Pete. Um, fully functional. Um, I get that we're now in, in an act and a tag. We're getting the rest of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I know things got to move here. Um, but uh, bottom line is, as you said, Pete, this light bulb here if she doesn't die at least until later that means that she really is invincible now ding light bulb for simmons more on that later pete take us back to fitz and may yeah matt may wants to know what hale wants with colson uh fitz uh you know he just needs a few acts hours of access uh with the computers and the labs um he can't help if he's locked up here but Daisy puts her foot down. No, not going to happen. Um, and he pointed out that they needed to seal the rift. They get into an altercation and, and she quickly quakes him down there. Hey, he brought the powers back. So nothing wrong with her using them. Um, they don't need, he doesn't need forgiveness from her, just needs her to trust him. Uh, but she is not going to let him leave this room. Uh, but wait, we already sealed one crack on the earth. It doesn't take a fortune teller, Matt, to believe that another one could happen. Uh, May then talks with Daisy, where the subject of bringing Robin out of hiding comes up. And as we end the fifth act there, she says that they need to use, Daisy does, Every weapon in the fight. In the tag scene, we have Fitz. He's sad. Someone out of focus is visiting him. Uh, he thinks it's May, maybe Daisy. It's actually Simmons with T. Gotta be Earl Grey hot. Uh, she hands him that. Then she hands him his, his famous tool, which I must admit I think I had forgotten about. But anyhow, it's the tool where he etched in the number 17. But wait, Pete, it's really old. It's the old one from Deke, who got it from his grandfather. But, but, Deke's the worst. Is there any good news, Pete? Uh, it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> um, that uh, his existence proves they make it to the White House. However, he's their grandson. He's the worst. This means that their daughter is going to get with a belligerent space goon and give birth to a deke. But is that is that all it really means, Matt? It means that they are invincible to end the episode. The dossier. 
a detailed look at our bad guys. We begin, Matt, with General Hale. Two Hales on top of the three there in this episode, but two in different time points. We hail the first. We hail the older, the younger. Um, young, young General Hale is um, a really, really compelling actress. I dug her fire. I feel like she must have spent time, uh, you know, looking at the other actress in order to kind of emulate that. And you see a dedication in her and a, a strength in her, which is admirable. I mean, not a fan of the dog test there, but just the fact that she is, you know, she's a girl in a man's world and she's kicking butt and she's and she's punching faces, etc. Um, older Hale has figured out that she can still be team Hydra, but also needs to be team human. And darn it, Pete, if we don't need to find those common things and reach across the aisle, even the Hydra aisle, um, and then you add to it, uh, you know, Hale the Younger, who she continues, Pete, to smolder and hate moms and <laughs> father figures, and Daisy, who kind of is like an older sister or cousin or something. She just hates everyone. Someone needs to buy her a new iPhone, like, today. I happen to care more about General Hale and her arc than Ruby. I mean, let's be honest. Ruby's very one-dimensional at this point. I love that they give us the flashback and we see Hale as a youth and knowing now that she is the mother of Ruby, seeing Ruby in her, seeing her in Ruby in retrospect and how in 1990 it would have been unsettling for those who weren't ready uh, in the boys club that was Hydra, particularly Hydra High, Matt. Uh, by, by the way, we got to figure out what their mascot is. Tweet at Fantastic Geek what your Hydra High mascot is, and it can't be Hydra High Hydra. That's just dumb. Um, possible backdoor pilot for Freeform Hydra High? Everyone's I... bad. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm available. Pretty but, little um, hydras. <laughs> yes, yes. Pretty little hydras. Uh, Nine oh two, cut one head off. Two will take its place. <laughs> All I know is this, Pete. I'm going to tweet at someone right now saying that they need to do a spinoff called Pretty Little Hydras. There you go. Um, Moving yeah. along, uh, sit well, Matt. Uh, it's, it's been so long, but it was so right to get this, uh, younger version cameo. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny. So much story has gone by since last we saw him, but you know, here they're, it's not just a season where they're looking back a little bit and there's, there's some familiar faces whenever possible, but this fits the storyline so perfectly. So, so perfectly. And, um, it's great to see him again. He has this kind of, you know, kind of, I mean, they peg it perfectly with the line. I can't do better than the line. This this middle management look to him. Uh, and I love the casting that they've done with the actor. And then the glasses just sell it. And you, you totally believe that we get to get more Sitwell here. One of the greatest integrations into 
uh, into shield that we've ever had. With Whitehall, Matt, obviously to bring that actor back to reference somebody who doesn't age so they don't need to do the makeup thing really inspired it is and so it also is inspired as i mentioned before um either the acting choice or the script direction you know the way he looks ruby up and down you know she's officially graduated from the school so i think that's one less level of creepiness but I mean, there's there's definitely this this look where he's saying, "Yes, fine, fine, mothering look to her," um, and and it, I mean, it, it's a skin crawling moment. I think it would have been it's particularly now in Me Too and all of that, um, but <laughs> frankly, at any time, you know, it, it 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 doesn't work in the real world. It works as a great story moment because it makes it clear of it she's trying to fight against the shackles of this own, uh, you know, of this system. She just doesn't know how. Even easier to despise is a dad kid Von Strucker. Yes. And I mean, again, this is kind of like, uh, you know, this is, um, Hydra origins, you know, this one goes off to this and this one goes off to that. And it's a really fun way to knit all of these together. It's not the world's biggest set. They haven't, taken over a school and then repainted it all in hydro colors. You know, it's kind of your, I'm quite sure it's a, it's a moderate redress of the lighthouse corridors and whatnot. Uh, but what you can't do with set because money's been cut where it is our season long assumption. You can populate this with all the hydra people you've ever seen before. And it works. It really, really works. It's story overcoming these, these challenges. When we, come back to the present time and the discussion of a supervillain and and we go to Fitz. not so much of a a true villain in the sense, you know, right and wrong, but somebody they can't feel they can trust yet. May is making the decision to go to him and Daisy firmly in team, not Fitz. I understand Daisy's perspective. I'm, I guess I'm a little unclear as to, like, they are, let me put it this way. Pete, do they know he had a psychological break where it was like Fight Club style? He did not know where, who he was versus Hydra fits. I mean, listen, they're not in the S.H.I.E.L.D. apparatus where Simmons would have filed a report about it. But I can't imagine she doesn't see May and say, hey, he had a break. Yeah, like given that he is mentally unwell, I think there's a limit to how much you can go in there and do kind of the police sergeant, you know, the the, the police chief. I'm going to take your badge and you're you're getting busted out of here like. He's on. He's profoundly, profoundly unwell. It's a split personality thing. I mean, he's one more break away from being, you know, in an M Night Shyamalan movie. Um, so I think to me, it's a little un- incongruous her anger relative to what he did and did not do, and what he was capable of doing, et cetera, et cetera. But it did make for a very well energized scene. I think a lot of Daisy's upset is that she's concerned the reactivation of her powers is going to hasten the destruction of the world. Not so much at Fitz, but more at 
herself in terms of what's to come. Villains galore in this episode, Pete. It's been a while since we've had one, two, three, because I'm counting Hale the Younger, Hale the, Hale the Elder, and then Hale the Child. Three, four, five, six, seven villains in this episode. So villains galore. Pete, we have some heroes. Those are the heroes over on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. They are keeping our Zephyr One aloft uh, by, uh, by helping us out with some of these uh, costs that we incur along the way. Yes, Matt. And heroes go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Fantastic Geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels from there. So you want to buy your way onto the Hydra Chess team. There is a level for you. Uh, so head over there today. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, I think the biggest takeaway in terms of scale and scope from this episode, the war coming, the alien mm. ship glimpsed, is this Infinity War? I mean, it kind of can't not be. And, you know, we've talked many, many times about the space between Marvel TV and Marvel movies. And I, my hope would just be for this showdown of showdowns, I mean, this is as big as the first Avengers movie was, which uh, predated Shield. Sorry, lost track of the timeline there for a second. As, and as as climactic as the events in Sokovia were, you know, it's Sokovia. You know, the pl- the the country that's not really real. So when you lose a city, we kind of in the audience don't go, ah, oh, Paris. We kind of go, hey, that place I never heard about before. That's really sad that fake people died. Um, and it's had, you know, Sokovia Accords, blah, blah, blah. But my point is this. If meanwhile our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are in the South Pacific dealing with whatever, all right, oh, wow, a city got destroyed. That's so awful. Back to go battle Hydra or, or Squid People, Squidward or whatever. Um, this needs to be addressed if it is this global event. And I'm excited to see that the show is preparing to do that. And if they've gotten just a couple zigs and zags i mean all they need to do quite frankly all they need to do is be like and does the movie end with earth everybody's imprisoned no no it's just massive cleanup okay because what could happen is we get a shield episode before infinity war comes out like you know the week before we get a shield episode and then shield could just go boom six months later cleanup continues today while all the heroes are still missing or whatever it is like if it's just like Infinity War ends with all the heroes have been taken into space and people have to fend for themselves. All right, cool. That's where we're going to pick up. Um, that's all you need. So it's such it's, a big event. I don't know how they can't foreshadow it and then feel the effects coming out. I know, you know, WonderCon last week, they, you know, uh, Mo Tantron and uh, Jed Whedon were saying, you know, they can't wait for infinity war to to come out so that they can talk about you know what it means for their show for the last couple episodes this season potentially ever so yeah i I think they're kind of locked into it at this point what they've written with the future storyline gives them license around it which i think is really smart because they didn't have to be wedded to it um, if that makes any sense. Well, I think too, 
you know, I return to this idea that maybe Clark, you know, even prior to the Captain Marvel stuff, that maybe Clark Gregg and Ming-Na Wen had just said, hey, the standard five-season contract is up. Uh, we're going to make fans sad, but, you know, we have a career. Or we have we want to shift gears. We don't want to get up at, you know, do 4 a.m., 5 a.m. wake up to be in the makeup trailer at 6 and things like that. Um, we we want out. We'll deal with fan backlash, however, blah, 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 but write us out. Uh, I, I think that's one option. Another option could be, uh, hey, the Captain Marvel schedule is such and such, and let's assume both of them. Ming-Na Wen has not been announced for it, but let's just say both of them, or even just Coulson. Um, hey, he's not going to be available for the first six episodes. That writing an end could be, oh, Coulson goes off into the sunset, we get canceled, the end. Or Coulson goes off into the sunset, we get renewed. Search for Coulson for the first six episodes, and then Clark Gregg raps on the movie and comes back to the show. Ta-da! So I almost feel, I feel buoyed by these statements of, we continue to get excited, said Jed Whedon. You know, we continue to, to get excited and get uh, inspiration from these movies. Um, so we'll see. I feel like some, some of the ennui that I had this time last week, it is much, much dissipated. Mm -hmm. Is Daisy or is Ruby the destroyer of worlds? Oh, look, we still have this footage that we saw in the future of their past, which is the current time frame future of her uh, getting of Daisy getting off a jet. It was yes. hardly conclusive. <laughs> it was hardly conclusive. In the future, she will get off a method of conveyance and she is destroyed our world. I mean, yeah. I think that, look, we've been told for so long that Daisy is the destroyer of worlds. I think we're going to see that scene and, oh, no, it's still happening. So that's the other thing, too. They have committed to this idea that time is unchangeable somehow. Now, I think they're going to have to you know, work their way out of that at a later point. But in the interim, I think we're going to see that Ruby is the destroyer of action but daisy gets it pinned on her we need a better moniker than destroyer of action lastly matt you just talked about the the point so seamless transition this commitment to time uh yo-yo can only get there uh that Fitz and simmons are invincible Hmm. Uh -oh. Sounds like some false confidence. Yeah, one way. I mean, look, when it's when it's um I don't know, bad guy fires space weapon, cut to very tight focus of yo-yo, everything else blurry, the sound falls away and you hear ah and it's like echo like ah and then she looks down and the blood is the blood spot is increasing on her chest. No, I thought I couldn't die, Mac. I'm dying. You know, th th we broke the time chain, but at what cost? Or we broke it in that she's dying. Um, I'm now worried about that for a variety of reasons, including I love Natalia Cordova Buckley, and I also think that if they need to do a pound of flesh death this season, first, you know, la last one in, first one out kind of thing, it's not going to be Simmons. It's not going to be Fitz. I 
dare say there'd be a negative there'd be a more negative effect to viewing numbers if they killed simmons or fitz maybe versus anybody else and you could argue it different ways i know right now hopefully our pal jen phillips is listening and she's saying no yo-yo is number one and may is number one and that you can love who you love i'm just saying i don't know i feel like if you're yo-yo if you're maybe mac you have more chance of getting the axe no pun intended than somebody else but i don't know i don't know transmissions Let's check the wire, Matt. We begin at facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek, where Steve Adams writes in regarding the final scene of episode 514. I didn't see it as revealing Gemma's quote pregnancy, unquote. I saw her vomiting as a result of a day of extreme emotional turmoil. Deke's reveal was just the straw that broke the camel's back she might be pregnant and this might have been the reveal of that but i don't think we can assume that at this point and i had told him uh we hope you're right i think it can be read both ways or one way depending on your belief at this point we'll know soon enough he followed up with like you guys i would not be a fan of using the revelation of a pregnancy as comic relief if only and i say this pete as a member of the spoiler free army if only we knew for sure that there was going to be an episode involving a honeymoon in a couple of weeks then i think we could retroactively go back and say she probably just threw up and that was like it threw up from stress as being suggested here maybe that was a red herring or some foreshadowing but not foreshadowing that there is baby upon belly jt atkins also writes into the fantastic geek facebook page and he says surprised by sad trombone matt this week but thanks persistent pete for the counterpoint to some of the downers. As I watched this episode, I was hugely entertained, glad to see things coming together. Here are JT's tips to enjoying the things which you guys normally seem to follow, just not this week. Number one, trust the showrunners who have been so great. Last episode, you didn't like Grumpy Grandpa Fits. Turns out that was motivated, eh? If something seems a little out of left field, there's a great chance that it will be explained, but maybe not in 42 minutes Two, stop worrying. I agree with you all on the quote, enjoy what we have while we have it unquote theorem. But then you keep coming back to golly. I'm worried. They're going, there's going to be a soft reboot. Breathe. Have a Zima. No, Actually, enjoy the show. And if the soft reboot comes, we'll worry about it then. Three, ride the coaster. While I personally loathe roller coasters, a lot of people like them. The enjoyment of the ride isn't found in asking, where's this going? Around every turn, the enjoyment comes from where you are. Enjoy the ride. Questions will be answered. Shield's track record tells us this. Things may change, but we'll take it as it comes not as we worry about it. And I vote yes on the end of Deke and Gemma's scene. Broke the tension, maybe revealed a pregnancy, was real life, and took care of things by showing, not telling. Imagine how clunky, oh, 
by the way, I think I'm pregnant with your mother, would have been. <laughs> and don't worry, it won't be Hydra again. It's the Confederacy slash Hydra. Bring them on. And I wrote back to JT. I said, thank you, JT. We talk a lot about balance and counterpoints, so we're happy that's picked up on. Thanks for listening and being part of the discussion. And he followed up by saying, thank you. Now, after encouraging you to just ride the roller coaster, let me throw a theory out there that isn't going to happen, but I'll say it anyway. Coulson dies. They centipede him anyway. So sue me, says May. In Infinity War, Deathlock Coulson shows up to give Loki a severe beating at just the right time. My summer is made. Also, Fitz gives Thor a new eye. Wow. That would be a degree of, uh, of uh, I don't know, cross-pollination I would welcome. Pete, to the Twitter poll we go uh, for this episode, you, you had four options, one star, one robot finger, two stars, two destroyers, three stars, hail, H-A-L-E, Hydra, four stars, Talbot Tight, this an episode that got from our voters 4% for one star, 4% for two, 20% for three stars. Pete, that gives you a whopping 72% of people wow. who gave this four stars. That's pretty darn good. That is. Uh, a couple other tweets I want to throw your way from uh, Serendipity824. The uh, notion here that Talbot is always awesome. Uh, and uh, also Mike Sorensen, that's uh, Warcry underscore 75, who uh, would like to pitch an idea for Hydra Hogwarts. Do we get to come up with house names? Let's put it back on the audience. What Hydra Hogwarts house names would you come up with? I don't understand that reference. Because there's the Hydra school. <laughs> oh, you don't understand the Harry. Sorry. Is that yes. like a Jedi Academy? Like I joked with uh, with Mike. That's it. It is like a Jedi Jedi Academy thing, Pete. With that, Pete, lay some sweet, sweet iTunes metaphorical music on me. Yes, uh, we are running a contest between now and Friday, April 13th. So you have two more weeks, several podcast opportunities to get it in. Matt, you can get up to 13 entries. Every review you leave, every new review you leave, a written review on iTunes for any of the 13 Fantastic Geek podcasts is going to get you an entry every time. Uh, we have one tonight to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by Fantastic Geek Feed. This by Legion O'Doom. The headline, pretty fair and thorough, four out of five stars. And the review reads, this cast digs into each episode and offers up equal parts analysis and behind-the-scenes info. It's a must-listen for me every week. Ooh, well, thank you there for the kind words and for the four stars. Pete, that listener, hopefully they've shared uh, with you or via email or via Twitter their uh, their uh, iTunes name so we can get in touch if they are a contest winner when we pull uh, pull that name out of the old hat in a couple weeks' time. Absolutely. You want to be there to win the digital download code for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Again, that'll be revealed at the end of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek Friday, April 13th. 
the the geek ship continuing uh, on both the pop culture podcast feed and on the Jessica Jones feed, where we are Pete in the home stretch of the series. It's gone by so fast. It's been such a wonderful uh, season this second season, and uh, always a fun uh, fun time getting together to talk about that and a fun listen. Uh, hopefully, really looking forward to bringing those last couple episodes to our listeners. Well, share all your thoughts, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Jones, MCU. Uh, Though we don't podcast Westworld, we're excited about that. So if you want to get a conversation going there, Uh, Infinity War, Deadpool 2, Han Solo, etc. How can people be in touch with you, Pete? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,850. Matt, I'm 150 away from 10,000 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Visit fantasticgeek.com, leave a comment there, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com, check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening in the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Sunday to continue Jessica Jones. If not, we will be back. Uh, if you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, that is, we will be back on uh, on next Friday. Wouldn't rule out the possibility of maybe one or two of those feeds getting some non-Jessica Jones, non-S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff in the next couple weeks as we ramp up for this, that, and the other. But time will tell on that. For right now, though, Pete, I will say absolutely nothing because I'm putting in my headphones and I hate you (laughs) and I just want my cereal so you just say the final word of all the blindfolds I've forcibly worn that was the nicest